to Ohanga. My name is Maggie, and today we'll be speaking with Josh. All right, Josh. So tell me, what kind of art do you do? Well, I do a lot of photography. Um, my specialty is landscape photography. Um, I have a lot of inspiration of the ocean um, and the rock formations and things like that along the ocean. Um, I live in a great area along the ocean as well. So for me, that's my inspiration of, of my photography is all along the ocean. Tell me your story, but start as early as possible. How did you get involved with photography? Uh, probably, I think that my, my father was the influence. Um, my okay. father was a chemist, but always loved art. Um, and when I traveled with my mom and dad, he always had a camera with him. So he would give me the camera and say, okay, you take the picture next. Um, so for me, that was pretty much my start. Um, and I just felt, I kind of fell in love with the whole creative process of reading the light, seeing how much light was out there um, and finding something that was interesting to photograph. Um, so I, I mean, you know, I'm in my mid fifties. So the cameras that I used to use were all film based when I first started. Um, and there was also a thing called a twin lens reflex camera where you would look at the image and it would be upside down and backwards. Uh. Um, so that a lot of that really taught me about composition in photography. And if a picture looked well backwards and upside down, then, you know, compositionally, it would look correct and aesthetically pleasing right side up. So that was how I first got started into it. Probably, you know, I, I got my first camera when I was 13 for my bar mitzvah. Um, and I have not stopped shooting since. Wow. So how old were you when you started using your dad's camera when you were traveling? Uh, probably eight or nine years old. Okay. You know, he would, you know, of course, put it around my neck so I wouldn't drop it. Um, but he would actually give me his light meter and tell me to go read the light. So I would actually read the light because in those days, there wasn't any light meter in the cameras compared okay. to what we have today. Um, there was no auto exposure. You had to figure everything out yourself. Um, so yeah, probably eight or nine, I started using his camera. And then, they, like I said, I got my first camera when I was 13. Wow. And is there any trip in particular that you remember in terms of your photography when you were younger? Um, I would probably say going to uh, Virginia okay. and Washington, D.C. One of the first trips I took with them, we drove down to Washington, D.C. And we explored, you know, the State House. Um, the Washington Monument, the White House, Jefferson Memorial, things like that. Um, and the architecture was just mesmerizing. Yeah. Uh, you know, those stone things that were just, you know, built by hand. Um, you know, th there weren't cranes in those days when that was built. It was just, it was pretty amazing. And that architecture really started to influence me when I was looking through the camera, seeing all the verticals and the horizontals of the building. So that kind of really started for me. Okay. And you were going there from Rhode Island? Because that's, yes, yeah. that's where you were born and raised? Yeah, I was born and raised. I was born and raised in Cranston, Rhode Island, and I've lived in Narragansett for well over 20 years now. Okay. Wow. So very much a native Rhode Islander. Yes, very much. And I never left. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So did you take any photography classes in school once you discovered this passion? Um, actually, when I got into junior high school, I joined the photography club. Okay. Um, so that was my first immersion into darkroom photography, learning how to process my own film and things like that. So I started with the photography club and then I became a yearbook photographer. 
um, and just continued to, to do that. And then I started teaching myself. Um, I worked in uh, a store that sold cameras. So I got to see all the different gear that was out there and I was learning a little bit more here and there about it. Um, and once I had that dark room in my basement, um, it was, I, I mean, I spent all my free time down there. I started, you know, shooting all the high school stuff. All my friends were playing sports. I was photographing all the sports. I was photographing the cheerleaders, the band, things like that. And as soon as I finished shooting, I would go home, I would lock the door in the basement and I would go into the dark room and I couldn't wait to look at that film. Yeah. And that was my, you know, that was my start where I was pretty much hooked on that whole entire process, being in the dark room and creating my own images. Awesome. And at the time, were you already considering photography as a potential career? Um, I actually, I think my career in photography started probably when I was in college. Um, okay. But at first I wanted to sell cameras. I wanted to be in the retail end of the business. I loved all the technology. I loved looking at all the new gear that was out there. And my goal was to, you know, have a store and sell cameras. Um, then I realized what a rough time that would be. Yeah. Um, and I really started just shooting for myself and learned a lot more about it and realized that I wanted to actually be a photographer um, to shoot things for people. Um, and I had a couple of friends and I had a cousin that was a, who was starting to do fashion photography. And I had friends that were in the business that they did product photography. So by the time I got to college, I ended up working in a commercial photography studio, gaining okay. college credit. And that was my, again, my really immersion of, you know, product photography, shooting jewelry, shooting perfume bottles, uh, doing headshots for people, um, medical equipment candles i mean anything you know this goes back to you know the mid to late 80s um everyone had advertising budgets everything was in print there was no digital there was no facebook there was no internet and everything had to be printed so everything had to go to a photography studio to be photographed and yeah. then it would go to a different department and the pre and the person would write the copy and then somebody would take those images and turn it into something that it could go on a printed page and then you'd get a catalog in your hands. Yeah. And I remember looking at catalogs once I started that whole process, figuring out how they actually photographed those products by looking at them. You could see the reflections, you could see all those different things. So that was really interesting to me. And that just lit up my fire to keep on going with it. Okay. So product photography was, though it's not like your landscaping, it was still something that interested you. Right. I figured if I wanted to be a photographer, there was going to have to, I was going to have to earn a living somehow. Um, and in the, in the product photography end of it was my way of starting was, was my way of having a career was doing something like that where I could photograph products and get paid for it. But at that time when, especially when I was in college, I was doing a lot of landscapes and things like that. And, you know, one of my main influences of my photography was Ansel Adams was another gentleman by the name of Edward Weston. Um, Ansel Adams had an assistant by the name of John Sexton. Um, those were the landscape photographers that I really looked at while I was in college. And that kind of basically put me in that career path to do you know, the landscape for my fine art work, which is my passion. Um, and I always knew that I could never 
just earn a living taking pictures of beach scenes. So I had to do something to supplement it. And the product photography was the way to supplement it. And it's been working for me for the past almost 30 years now. Okay. Awesome. And did you go to college to study photography or were you I studying did. something else? Yeah, I did. Okay. I went to, uh, at the time it was Southeastern Mass University. Now it's University of Massachusetts at North Dartmouth. Okay. Um, and I have a bachelor's in fine arts. And I studied with two women there, two professors, uh, a woman by the name of Elaine Fisher and another one called Alma da named Alma Davenport. And they both studied with some amazing photographers back in the 60s and the 70s. And these were guys that I look up to. Um, one of them was a gentleman by the name of Harry Callahan, another one by the name of Aaron Siskin. These were professors at RISD back in the, in the 70s. And these guys were on the forefront of black and white photography. Um, and one of the other professors studied with a gentleman by the name of Minor White. Minor White was one of the instrumental people developing what was called the zone system for black and white photography, along with Ansel Adams. And these were people that I, I remember sitting there in libraries before I even went to school, looking at their work, being in awe of the quality of the images, everything about it. And that basically just led right on to while I was in college. Okay. And were your parents supportive of you pursuing photography as a career? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, um, again, you know, I spoke earlier, I had a cousin that was a fashion photographer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his parents supported him and my mom, you know, this was my mom's sister and my mom would be like, oh my God, if you think you're going to do what your cousin did and I'm going to support you, you're out of your mind. And my father <laughs> would say the exact same thing. But I always said to my dad that I wanted to do some basic product photography, but then I also wanted to possibly teach photography. Okay. And that's one of the things that I've been doing probably for the past, you know, six or seven years now is I teach part time. Um, I was teaching at a local technical school, New England Tech, before COVID hit. Um, and I also teach classes out of my home studio. And I still do that. Um, I've tutored people. I've tutored young kids. I've, you know, been their mentor for uh, senior projects with photography. Um, it's a great way to give back. And it's a great way to see how other people interpret photography. And that's one thing I always love. So once they realized that I had some sort of a goal, they were accepting of it. Okay. And they actually realized that I excelled at it because when I was a business major, I mean, I'll admit this, I had a 1.9 grade point average. You know, I really didn't, I, I'm not a numbers guy. I'm a creative guy. Um, and then when I had switched my major from, you know, accounting and retail business management to fine arts, I went from a 1.9 grade point average to a 3.9 grade point average. Yeah. My father was just like, oh, <laughs> I, I get it. I think I, I think you found your niche. And I did. And, you know, to this day, um, you know, unfortunately, my dad's not with me, but I know he's up above looking down on me, being very proud and seeing the image that I do. And that 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 makes me feel good inside. Yeah, really of course. So when you switched majors, was that when you also switched from the idea of selling cameras to actually being a photographer? Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I, Community College of Rhode Island is a two-year school. I was on the three-year plan. Um, okay. I did really lousy my first, you know, year and a half or so, and then I changed my major to fine arts. And again, you know, went from a 1.9 to a 3.9 grade point average, was taking photography classes, was taking design classes, 
And <clears throat> I just loved it. I just had a blast doing it. And it really, really, I realized that this, you know, I don't want to sell cameras. I want to shoot. I want to be a photographer. I want to mm -hmm. shoot for people and do that type of work. Um, and that's really um, how I just pretty much fell in love with it. And what happened after college? Where did you go? Uh, after college, I ended up getting a job working for a, I actually got a job working for a company being their photographer. It was a company that made wow. um, electrical outlets. So um, I would photograph electrical outlets for packaging and things like that. Um, but a lot of times they were actually using an ad agency to do the, the higher end photography and I got frustrated. Um, okay. So I reached out to some people that I knew um, and I had a family member that was in the jewelry business and they had an ad agency. So they in turn hooked me up with the president of the ad agency. And I went and had a meeting with him. And one day he just sat there calling out all, just picking up the phone, calling all these different photographers that they worked with. He's like, I got this kid. He wants to be a photographer. You got a job available for him. And you know, yeah. three or four of them were like, nope, nope, nope. And then one guy's like, yeah, he goes, I'm actually looking for an assistant. Um, oh, so I went and met with him. Um, started working for him in 1988 um, as his assistant and associate photographer uh, and worked for him for about four years. And then uh, in 1992, I was, I was like, you know what? I don't like working for anybody. I want to try and do this myself. Um, and I left. And within probably three days of leaving, I started getting phone calls. Wow. Um, I had met a lot of people in the business through him. Um, my phone number wasn't listed. So my father started getting, you know, um, <laughs> um, we were, we were the, you know, at the time, I think we still are. We were the only Eden bomb in the whole entire phone book in Rhode Island. Okay. Um, and my number wasn't listed, but my dad's was. So my father kept on getting these calls. Oh yeah. I'm looking for Josh. I need to hire him for some photography. He's like, well, he doesn't live here, but here's his number. And next thing you know, I was shooting uh, luggage for American tourister. I was shooting tools for Stanley Tools. Wow. Um, I was doing some medical equipment for a company called Unetics Vascular. Um, and it just took off. And next thing you know, I was in business for myself and I haven't looked back. Wow. And so is that considered freelancing? Because you just, yeah, pretty much a come. freelance photographer, you know, and it was before websites and things like that. So you have to, you had to have, you know, I used to have these cards with my pictures mounted on them or trans like slides and you would knock on the door of an ad agency, walk in, you know, can I talk to the art director? I'm a photographer. And you would go and you meet with the art director and you'd look at your work and you say, okay, yeah, I got a couple of projects coming up. I can possibly send you away. And sure enough, that's just how it worked. Um, but I always did my fine art work on the side. I always needed a outlet for that product photography. I always wanted to go out and shoot landscapes and do things like that because that's where my passion always was. Okay. Um, and that's how I really continued to continually still shoot a lot of my fine art work, especially a lot of the stuff that you guys are going to see. Awesome. So how did you, did you also try to monetize your fine art? Like, did you, were you in galleries or did you try selling your fine art while you were also working on the product photography? I did a little bit. Yeah, there was, there, um, I wasn't in many galleries, but there was always, there was a couple of different art associations that were out there. So they would have these juried shows where right. you would, you know, pay X amount of dollars and you'd drop off a print. Um, and they would basically, you know, let you know if you got into the, if you got into the show. And occasionally I would get into a bunch of different shows and one or two of them 
prints would sell, but the majority of the stuff, no one was really buying at the time. Okay. Um, and then probably, uh, you know, five, six years later than that, I had a couple of, I had a solo show at a local library, which was all my work. A lot of stuff that I had shot in college and things like that. And I ended up selling, I think maybe about a half a dozen prints. Wow. Um, and I was like, wow, this is cool. Um, and some of them were really interesting abstracts and people would come up, oh my God, I see this in this picture. I see this in this picture. I'm like, okay, if you see that, <laughs> if you want to buy it, go right ahead. And they would buy it. Um, but recently I've had a couple of shows in some galleries. Um, I'm in a couple of different stores right now. Um, and I have my own fine art website that I sell a lot of my work on now too. Okay. So how has your photography business changed between then and now? So clearly now you have a website, so you've had to make the transition along with like technological advances. Right. I mean, I think the biggest change in the whole photography industry was the technical aspect of it. I mean, years ago when we used to shoot film, we had, we had, you know, you'd set up this, you'd set up the, the set, so to speak, if you were photographing products, um, you do all the lighting, you would get the product. So they were looking as best as you could possibly tell. And then you would put a Polaroid in the camera and, and wait 60 seconds and look at the Polaroid. And if the Polaroid was good, then you'd put the film in and you'd shoot the film and then you'd get in your car and you'd drive to the lab, you'd drop the film off and three hours later, the film would be done. But you had to leave everything set up because wow. you weren't sure if the film came out okay, if the exposure was good. You never knew if the guy that was mixing the chemicals at the lab was maybe in the bar too much the night before <laughs> and the chemicals could have been a little bit off. So okay. the film could run a little bit dark or a little bit light. Um, that was the old way of doing things. Now I'm tethered to a computer. Okay. I, I set up everything. My camera's connected to a computer. I fire off the camera, either from the camera or the mouse and the image pops up directly on my screen. And working with art directors, you know, the big thing years ago, too, is you would take the Polaroid, you would put it on a copying machine. When we had fax machines, before fax machines, you would get in your car and you would drive over to the art director's office and give it to him. And yeah. he would look at it and compare it to the layout to make sure everything would fit. Now, everything's done on a computer. The image pops up right on your screen. You can open up the layout program while you're photographing. You can drop it right in, say, okay, this is perfect. Oh, this product's gonna be moved a little bit to the left because we have copy going here. We have a logo going there. It's made life so much easier as a commercial photographer. Um, but it's also created all these different people that are photographers now. You know, anyone that has an, you know, you talk about technology, anyone that has an iPhone camera now and they takes a decent picture, they consider themselves a photographer. And that's, you know, for me, after being in the business for close to 30 years, that's kind of a little bit of the frustrating part of it. Okay, yeah. You know, I mean, that's the frustrating part because just because the camera takes a good picture doesn't necessarily mean that that person knows why it took a good picture. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of technical stuff that's involved with photographing. Um, and you have to know, you know, light and color and exposures and things like that. And there's a lot of, you know, things you still have to know. Um, it's definitely made my life easier. It's definitely made my business more profitable with digital, um, with, you know, the initial, in, I mean, the initial investment that we had probably 20 years ago was probably in the realm of say, 
25, $30,000 to get into digital um, because the equipment was so expensive. Wow. Um, but we basically, at the time I showed a client that I was working on a catalog for, I said, look, we can go traditional film, or if you want, digital's really up there now, let's go digital. And they were nervous about it. And I basically convinced a couple of my clients to make that switch. And once they did, nobody looked back. Interesting. No Cause I'm sure it must've been cheaper for them as well. Right. Um, it was, it, it took, it basically it took less time. Um, okay. I mean, for an example, I did work, there was a company in Massachusetts, um, that made trophies for the golf industry. Um, and the way they were always photographed is we had two by tens of wood wrapped in a gray felt material stacked on cinder blocks, probably eight to nine feet up in the air. Wow. And you had the whole entire set filled with silver and glass and all these big pieces balancing on this wood for a wow. set. And that's how we photographed it. We could do one shot a day because it would take so long to set everything up that we didn't want to take the chance of breaking it all down yeah. and getting the film back and seeing something wrong. Wow. If one's turned a little bit wrong, if there's a reflection, you know, nowadays we'd set it all up, we'd shoot it digitally, we'd look at it, we'd go over with the fine tooth comb and it's like, okay, break it down, let's go to the next one. So instead of doing one shot a day, I think we were up to four shots a day and we had 32 shots to do. So instead of them paying me for 35 days of photography, they pay me for 10 days of photography. So that saved them a significant amount of money. Okay. And it saved the person that was laying out the catalog time. They didn't have to wait to get scans back. They didn't have to wait to get film back. They could take the files I gave them and stop putting in all the names and the numbers and the, and the SKU numbers and all that stuff right then and there. So yeah. it's definitely made a huge difference for people and it's, it saves them money for sure. And you could probably fit in more projects every year. Yes. Yes. A lot more, a lot more. I mean, we can do it, you know, you can do a cover for a catalog in a couple of hours and then break it down and go on to the next shot and not worry, yeah. you know, was something out of focus, you know, did something move? Um, especially when we used to photograph jewelry. I mean, when we used to photograph pieces of jewelry, you have a, you know, you have a ring that's balancing on a pinhead of a piece of wax and it's yeah. sitting just perfectly right with the light and everything. And then you click the shutter and then you look in there. Oh, it fell. <laughs> you know, did you get it before it fell? Was it mid fall? You don't know until you got that film back. Oh, wow. You look at it on the screen. Oh, we got it. Okay. Let's go to the next one. It's okay that it fell. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's def it's definitely helped the business. Okay. So what's the balance between your commercial photography and fine art photography now? Um, I'd probably say sometimes 50, 50 okay. and sometimes 75, 25, you know, I mean, my commercial work is how I have to make a living. Mm -hmm. um, but my fine art is my passion. Um, so, I mean, if I'm slow with my business end, I'm out shooting more of my personal work all the time, but if I'm really busy with my business work, my fine, my commercial work, um, I don't get to shoot as much or, you know, for the, okay. if I'm shooting, you know, five days a week for a commercial client, the last thing I really want to do on a Saturday is pick up a camera. Yeah. You know, but sometimes I will anyways, because it, it does make me feel good to shoot that stuff. Okay. Um, so you've never felt burnt out 
with all the photography you do? Um, I felt burnt out probably a couple of years ago because I was really busy shooting all the time for my commercial clients and mm -hmm. I didn't do as much fine art. Um, okay. And then I realized how much relaxation it gave me to go out all by myself. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you know, and with, with COVID especially, um, there was nothing better than packing up my camera in a tripod in a backpack and going away from absolutely everybody and sitting there on the edge of a cliff where there's where the ocean is or climbing down rocks or something um, and watching a sunset being all by myself. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I mean, that's one of the things I look forward to, you know, when this is all somewhat over is to travel again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been to some, I've photographed in Santa Fe, I've photographed in, in, in Arizona. There's a bunch of places out West that I want to get out to and photograph. Um, and that's just going to matter with what's going on in the world right now. So I can get out there again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's me for everybody. Too. Yeah, absolutely. What is the ultimate goal for your photography business? Uh... I think my ultimate goal is probably just to be successful in my career and to really have people enjoy my work. Um, I love the fact that I'm taking something that's three-dimensional, like an ocean landscape, and turning it into a two-dimensional image where someone can look at it and feel calm, feel happy, um, you know, relive a memory of something. Um, I have some pictures that I sold over the winter time of a memorial that's down in Point Judith for a bunch of fishermen that had passed away over the years. Um, I had a really cool picture that I had shot of that during a snowstorm. Um, and I sold a bunch of those. And it was to people that unfortunately lost somebody in the fishing industry. And it was a beautiful picture of the memorial that's been set up there. And it helps them remember that person. Um, and, I, and I like creating things like that. I like creating intrigue in images. I like someone to look at it and have their eye go through the whole entire image with a fine tooth comb, noticing little things all the time. Um, and to me, the best part of my business is doing that. And for me, the best, what I would love to get out of it is to have my work in more stores, have my work in galleries. Um, I mean, I would love to have my work in, in a major museum at some point as part of a permanent collection. Um, okay. That's something I've dreamed about the first time I saw Ansel Adams work. Aww. is knowing that his work is in like the Metropolitan Museum of Art. It's in the Chicago Institute of, mm -hmm. you know, the Art Institute of Chicago. I mean, in permanent collections. Um, that would be an absolute honor for me to have something to be on that, to be on that same realm of their work in a, in the museum in a permanent collection. That would make my heart just full as could be, full as could be. I hope that happens for you. Thank you. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Have you faced any particular difficulties in your pursuit of photography? Um, I think the only difficulty is the fact that, you know, the business has really changed and there's a lot of people out there that do it. Um, and there's people that do it for virtually nothing. Um, I mean, that's the only real difficulty. Um, I've never had something that I could not photograph. Um, I'm always up for the challenge. Um, I'm always up for trying something new maybe new technique, new perspective on photographing something. But I think the biggest difficulty at times, you know, in the, the real challenge is the competition that's out there today because there's so many people out there 
and everyone, you know, it, you know, in, in far as the business is concerned, it all comes down to the almighty dollar. Yeah. You know, and you know, I get calls from people and they, they love my work. I want to use you. And then I give them a price and they're like, <gasps> okay, <laughs> um, well, can you do anything? And sometimes I, I, I mean, I'm more than happy to work with clients on pricing and budgets, but sometimes I can't, of course, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's tough. It's, you know, it's like, you, you know, do you want the photographer at $25 an hour who takes really good pictures with his iPhone, who just got a camera for your company? Or do you want the guy that's been doing it for 30 years, who's going to guarantee you that you're going to have a beautiful image to use for your website, for your brochure, for your catalog, things like that. You yeah. know, that's the challenge today. Um, you know, I'm getting old. <laughs> I hate to say it. Uh, I don't feel old, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there. Um, you know, and I'm very fortunate. I have great clients and I have clients that spread the wealth, so to speak. You know, they work with all different photographers. They have, you know, a handful or more of photographers that they use. And, you know, as their business changes and they have all these different jobs, they give some to this one, some to that one. And that, and that's a beautiful thing. That's, that's, you know, that helps everybody and everyone and every photographer has a different vision when they photograph right. something. Everyone has a unique perspective that they may get compared to somebody else. Um, and that's fun. I remember taking lots of workshops with some famous photographers. I had a work, I, I did two workshops. I did one with a guy by the name of Stephen Wilkes, who shoots for National Geographic. Wow. Um, and there's another gentleman by the name of Michael Kenna, who is a fine art photographer based out of England. Um, and he's in lots of different museums and things like that. And it was fun to take these workshops with about 10 different people because we'd all go out and shoot together. And then we'd all come back and all look at everyone's images and everybody's images were different. Yeah. And some worked, some didn't, some were better than others, you know, but they all had a unique perspective because of that person behind the camera, their creative thought, their creative vision. And mm -hmm. that's what makes any art interesting. I mean, you can, you can line up, you can line up a Van Gogh, a Cezanne, a Mondrian and, you know, a Picasso and say, okay, you know, if they were all alive, paint this and you're going to get four different versions because yeah. everybody has their own style. Everyone has their own creativity that they put out towards that. Um, so that that's an interesting and sometimes challenging part of the business. Great. All right, Josh, is there anything else you think is important for people to know about your art and your story? I think we pretty much covered it. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you hit all of my questions. That was very minimal effort on my part. So thank yeah. you. <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm passionate about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes I can't shut up. <laughs> <laughs>